and welcome to The Jig Is Up. My name, of course, is Darcy, and with me is the amazing... <laughs> Good old Jason. How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you doing this evening, buddy? Oh, not too bad. It's a beautiful, beautiful evening here. I can't complain at all. No doubt. It is amazing. The trees are... The sap is running. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Finally, finally starting to feel like uh, we're almost getting summer now. Didn't even get a spring. Yeah, Jim. So yeah, it's, spring's not really a season. It's kind of an event. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> we had it, and I think it feels a lot like summer. Even the air was warm tonight when I was out uh, walking, so it was great. Right on, right on. Uh, well, I wanted to uh, get a few things out before we get jump right into a bunch of stuff we got to talk about tonight. Uh, we got brand new. And I, t- I know I told people that we weren't going to be doing budget stuff for a while, but we got brand new numbers from the M&A. We got, uh, we're going to take a look at some of the corporations in the M&A. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about a lawsuit in Manitoba. So that's, uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we do, um, I wanted to ask everybody if they enjoy the show and they want to get more edit, more interviews, more head to, uh, head to our Patreon page. The link will be in the description. And for as little as $5 a month, you're going to get access to... Um, extra content and exclusive content, as well as if you, you know, depending on how much you pledge, you can get rewards and things like that. I also wanted to let everybody know that we are, for all our Android listeners, we are actually on Google Play now, so you guys will know what that means. Apple users, that's, I just spoke another language, I know, but I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, we are, are not discriminatory against any platform that you choose to use. That's right. See, we are an inclusive podcast in all ways. That's right. <laughs> so we've, uh, I did have another quick bit of news for everybody. Uh, we are starting to fundraise for the Sagittawa Métis Culture Camp uh, this summer. And there's an online auction. You can search Facebook, just type in Sagittawa Métis, uh, and it should come up. It'll say fundraiser. There's some really cool things on there, lots of beaded stuff, some really nice stuff. So get in there and bid, or if you have stuff you want to donate, take a picture and post it and get the bidding started. And at the very least, if you guys could go and just share the crap out of that with everybody you know so that we can get people on there and bidding. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to a, a company called Canadian Prairie Bison from Saskatchewan who has donated some of their bison pemmican to our camp. Uh, they have four different flavors. They have original cracked pepper and blueberry, cranberry and snowflower seed, or snowflower? What the hell's a snowflower? Sunflower seed and uh, Saskatoon mm-hmm. berry. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, sunflower, snowflower. You know, I'm not used to summer yet, so you you got to give me a little, a little leeway. Um, it's the winter berries. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but I can actually, I've tried this pemmican a couple of times. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and they have a lot of other products, so check out your grocery store and check out uh, Canadian Prairie Bison. They're awesome. So, And now we can jump into the show. What do you think, Jay? Oh, T-ball it up, my friend. <laughs> we have got some financials, and this stuff is, is exciting. It's very exciting stuff. And we're only going to give you the highlights, so we're going to try to keep it a little light. And Yeah. You know, I, I did a, a comparison before. We talked about, like, salaries, travel, professional fees. Um, I threw a couple of th- more things into this one because the actual – I found the Métis Nation of Alberta financials, um, obviously the Alberta Societies Act or whatever um, requires it, but they're a little more detailed in how they break down everything than some of the other provinces. Yeah. 
So it's, it was actually quite nice that way. But um, let's start with the highlights. So you're talking salaries. And we're talking almost $2.8 million in salaries for the Métis Nation of Alberta. So what do you think of that number, Jason? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I guess the big thing is, how many employees do they have? That's going to be the first question we're asked. And you know what? They don't actually tell you how many employees they have. Um, I mean, we can count the regional offices and, you know, Madam President up there in, yeah. in, in her Oval Office. But uh, but other than that, I don't know how many employees they have. I know they have administrative staff. I know they have, uh, you know, program people. So I, I don't know how many employees that is, unfortunately. Um, I mean, it's a big number. And it, it would be it nice is for sure. to know how... You know, it, the number's impressive, no doubt about it. That's a, that's a lot of – but how many people is that spread over? It would be nice to know. It would be. And, and you know, not to dog on them too much. I mean, if they have 25 employees, then that's – you know, you're, you're getting to be actually not that bad for per-employee type thing. But um, but it's still pretty high. Um, the, the numbers that really kind of pop out for me more so than the salaries, although – We'll get more specific on some of the salaries here in a bit because um, there's a couple that pop out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm yeah. sure anybody could guess which ones those were. But uh, so some of the numbers that really kind of stood out for me was things like travel fees or travel costs, professional fees, and the cost for they're meetings. They're always, they're saying, it doesn't matter which organization we look at. These yes. Those are the line items that blow my mind. Absolutely. You know, we talked uh, in our last meeting about this a couple episodes, or last meeting. What is in my head today? Um, In our last podcast a couple episodes ago, we talked about meetings and and how they need to use start using maybe technology to do this. Um, so let's start there. Let's just talk meeting costs. We got a hundred, we got almost $200,000 in meeting costs. So $44,000 for board meetings and then another 150000 for just regular meetings throughout their different programs, which, I don't know. I mean, that just seems so high. That seems like so much money. Um, well, we'll do the math for us, Darcy. What does that equal out to for the year? If you broke that down, what is that on a per-month basis? Oh, now you're going to make me do math. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to take that. Where's that magic calculator? That's right. So we're looking at uh, basically 17000 per month in travel. Month, month. Seven. Yeah, 17000 So, uh, So if you take that, uh, I'm just going to see if I can... So we're talking almost six hundred dollars a day in travel. In travel expenses. Yeah. That's crazy money. Well, you know, and that is high. I mean, it's. Um, oh wait, no, that was in meeting costs. Sorry, that wasn't it's in meeting travel. costs. Yeah. Yeah. So meeting that's costs. It's six hundred dollars a day in meeting costs. Yes. Now, what what is interesting about that is, uh, you know, I can understand if they're. You know, they do have meetings in Ottawa. They have meetings, um, you know, in northern Alberta, that kind of stuff. So I, I understand a little bit of travel. But there was a few that kind of caught me off guard. That's that's meetings, though. 
Yes. We're talking $600 a day in meetings. Yeah, like, and, and that doesn't cover their travel to those meetings. So that meeting cost yeah. is like your coffee, your your food, your your rental of a room. I don't know. That's what we're talking meeting costs. Um, yeah. I mean, to put that in perspective, I think their annual general meeting was only eighty thousand dollars. Where did I have their? Yeah, it was. Oh, 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 only. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Only. But I mean, at least there you could say, okay, they're bringing everybody in. They got to hire dancers. They got to, you know, they got food. They got. So I, I can understand some expenses there. Um, and when they're catering to, you know, with a ninety percent turnout of all of the Métis Nation members showing up, that's, you know, I can understand that, right? Because they, they get high turnouts like that, don't they? Yeah, I don't know. Did you just slip into an alternate universe there? <laughs> Something like that. So, yeah, so we're talking 200 grand, 600 bucks a day in meeting costs. Um, and like I said, the one that was interesting is that the AGM wasn't even as much as that for just the AGM. Um, but another one that caught me off guard was, uh, where was it? The judiciary has some costs to it that I don't even think they have it, anybody on the judiciary. But the judiciary paid $18,000 in rent and almost $14,000 in professional fees for for a body of the Maintenance Nation of Alberta that has no people sitting in it. Like, there's there's nobody... They haven't had any judiciary for a few years now. So I'm not sure how they're spending money or what they're renting, but uh, it's heavily overpriced. Yeah, you gotta love bureaucracy. It's amazing what a uh, uh, a branch of your government can uh, spend money on when there's no one there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you gotta rent that case. Someone's there, I guess. Well, yeah, that's right. There's probably a room in the Métis Nation head office that the judiciary is supposed to sit in, and then you gotta charge out part of the rent, I guess. But uh, yeah, so I thought that one was weird. Um, and then they had so so it was actual travel then. Travel came out to almost six hundred thousand um, for the year, so that works out to about fifty thousand dollars a month, just under fifty grand a month for travel. So I, I'd really love to know from the these local boards, you know, um, is that trickling down to them, or do we got all these regional? people are they all getting expense paid trips all over the place or what well i i know that they're definitely not uh bringing in members and flying members into meetings so i'm pretty sure it's just for their executive to travel around and uh you know do the handshake and meet and greet um so that that works out to on a 30-day month that's about 1600 dollars per day year in or all year round for just for travel just for Hotels, meals, and things like that. So just just on travel, it's uh, I don't know. That, see, those numbers stand out for me. I, I can't. And and then what actually is the more alarming thing out of all of these numbers, and just to kind of bring it to a perspective for people. So they spent um, they spent forty four thousand dollars on board meetings. They only spent fifty thousand dollars on cultural activities. <laughs> and there's everything you need to know. Yeah, so that's, that's where all your money's going, right? Yeah. So when you just compare cultural activities to their um uh meeting costs, 
We're talking, they spent 25% of their meeting costs on cultural activities. So it kind of puts things into a huge perspective there as to what exactly it is that they're spending money on. Um, there was not a, I did not see any huge amounts for housing or anything in there. Um, and they had a couple of deals with like private industry and they chewed all that up in professional fees. Yeah. Like it was just, uh, I love the professional fees. Well, and yeah, like 1.5 million in professional fees. Like, I mean, my good God, how many lawyers do these people need? Um, I, I can tell you that the law firm that they're using is doing quite well. Yeah, well, whoever's getting that money, um, I'd like in on some of that action because that's killer. Oh, it is, and like, I don't. Some of these professional fees, like, just absolutely atrocious. Like, but I guess you got to have a lawyer in each program, right? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, if that's how it rolls, that uh, the lawyers are are allocated more money than anything to do with actual culture. Exactly. Like between lawyers and and accounting, you've paid. I mean, that is uh, a whopping amount of cultural events that you could pay for for one and a half million dollars. Or talk about language preservation, or we can talk yep. about anything to do, yep. you know, with the promotion and preservation of the Métis way of life. But uh, it seems like we can't afford it because of the lawyers. Well, that's just it, and it, and it seemed like at every meeting that they have, there is lawyers there because. For every breakdown of whatever they're doing, there's professional fees, professional fees, professional fees. So it just seems to me like every time they sit down in a room with somebody, they have a lawyer there um, to, I, I guess, to just go through things. And I mean, lawyers are, are needed in some cases. I just don't know if they're needed in every single meeting. Um, but, I, hey, I'm not running the M&A, so maybe I'm wrong. Clearly, I'm missing something. Yeah, like it just seemed uh, seemed really odd. Like those just seemed like really big numbers. Um, and then we look at uh, there's some a few things that I didn't even know, but um, uh, certain employees in the Métis Nation of Alberta uh, qualify for a pension, where the Métis Nation of Alberta pen puts in five percent of their earnings towards a pension, and the employee only puts in three percent. Um, I'm guessing that it probably goes to Madame President. And in just the 2016-2017 year, the most recent year, they spent uh, almost $80,000 towards her pension. So I think she's got a pretty decent pension um, filled up for the last 20 years. Yeah, I can't imagine if that's recent funding, what the overall pension fund would look like, um, given the length of time she's been in office. It should be quite substantial. I would think so, and I can guarantee you it's more than almost every single Métis uh, member will get from the Métis Nation. Yeah, for sure. What do you mean your Métis Nation of Alberta card does not get you a retirement plan? Apparently not. Um, and then what I thought was interesting, too, was the, the range in salaries for the regions. And that's the part, like, I, I you know, I, I kind of understand if somebody's been there for a long time, but to me they're just positions, so it's like, you know, Region 1 gets paid X amount, Region 2 gets paid the same. I don't know. Um, if you have, because I, mean, I, I was thinking, well, maybe there's a drastic change in the amount of people they represent or land mass. But I'm like, well, if, but if you're doing it that way, then you should make it equal. And so I thought it was weird that the salaries for the regional presidents ranged 
from fifty two thousand to seventy seven thousand, um, which is a yeah, huge, it's huge quite job. a. And I do realize that living in some places in Alberta does cost more than living in other places, and so. But I, I don't believe living in any specific place where it costs twenty grand a year more. No, it, absolutely not. And uh, I don't know. It didn't seem to have a rhyme or reason. Like I remember when I was looking at them, I don't think it, it made much difference where they were living. It was. It seemed like it was just more. I don't know. It almost seemed just pretty much just random. Mm, um, crazy. Yeah. So there was those discrepancies. Uh, obviously the, the pension, which is something I didn't even know that they had there. And then the judiciary, judiciary spending almost $40,000 in total was pretty surprising considering there's no one doing it. Um, and you you know, I, I actually left out a couple of things, um, from all these calculations, which is, uh, like they have a fetal alcohol syndrome program and things like that. So I left those out simply because, um, I don't really want to beat up on anybody for providing any type of program like that. They had an opioid thing in there. Um, so I just left those out of these calculations. Those are, yeah, and those are good programs, and there's, there should be more of them. It's, I think what we try to do is limit the discrepancies and spending in comparison to other things. You look at the, you know, that's why we continue to highlight travel and meetings yeah and and when you start to talk about when you get to the top of the big big pyramid chain the ultimate you know salary at the top absolutely yeah and um but the one i had to mention was the child and youth advocate which actually i don't want to mention but the only thing i thought was really odd about this one is that this is a a program they have to work with the alberta government um to discuss things like how do they handle uh, Métis children and care and stuff like that. So I don't I don't know how effective they have been. I don't know anything like that or any of the outcomes. And I think that's definitely a program that's needed, and so I don't want to beat up on it too bad. But what I thought was weird is they had um, like $25,000 worth of travel and meeting costs. But it's the Métis Nation of Alberta is in Edmonton, and the government of Alberta is in Edmonton. And that's where I didn't understand why they why we you know they spent twenty five thousand dollars in meeting costs and travel. Like, I, how do you travel within Edmonton for eighteen thousand dollars a year? And yeah, I don't know. Thanks. And so that's where, like, I I I would love to see that program be even more successful or do more, or be bigger. Uh, but the truth is, in in all of those kinds of programs, were some of the smallest amounts of spending that they had. Um, and look at the actual programs that are going to benefit. And by comparison, they're receiving. Yeah, your uh, cell phone's really cutting in and out, so I don't know what's going on there. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Um, but. So that's kind of I don't know I didn't have anything else to really talk about on the on the financials I hope that that puts things in perspective for people um, you know you're listening so I don't want to put too many little numbers out there for you um, but I did want to have a quick look at uh, a little bit closer on the Métis Nation of Alberta corporations they own and I, oh that's Espana yeah. yeah I think this is this has nothing to do with numbers this has more to do with uh, who sits on the boards of all of these things. So the 
Métis Nation of Alberta Association owns one, two, three, four, like four different. Oh, that's yeah, four different um, corporations within it, um, as far as I know. Well, what I thought was interesting is there's the same three directors on almost all of these boards. So you have a nonprofit owning a for-profit corporations, all registered, all legal. But then the people from the nonprofit are running the for-profits as their board of directors. So it, to me, it kind of signals a little bit of maybe uh, um, impropriety or, I, I don't know, it seems weird. Like, Audrey is on almost all these boards, I think, except for, no, she's on all of them. So isn't yeah. that a conflict of interest, don't you think? Well, I think this really highlights, like, if you wanted to go through, uh, why don't you just mention what the companies are? Okay, so there's Métis Nation Holdings, uh, there's Cree Productions, there's Métis Crossing, and there's Métis Urban Housing Corporation. Right. And so the big challenge I have is we see that, that not only does power go right to the top, but we have the division of these corporations underneath of the umbrella and yet we have the same people on it with a finger in every pie. Absolutely. And what you don't see is that in the financials that the Métis Nation of Alberta presents, it does not include any of these corporations because all of them are separate legal entities um, isolated away from the nonprofit, I guess, in the legal sense. So how much does Audrey... Madam President, make on salaries from four different corporations, for-profit corporations, and then how much did she make on salary on the M&A side? So the M&A side, she made $150,000. But is it reasonable to say she's going to make $50,000 on each corporation? Um, that's, a, that's a pretty hefty amount of money. We're having uh, technical issues with the phone tonight. Yeah. yeah. Wi-Fi. There we go. You're, you're back now. Really? That's yeah. bizarre. i got to hold my phone in the right place. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> stand on one foot, jump up and down. That's what it seems like. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was just saying, like, I, I don't know. I mean, that seems, it seems troublesome. I don't know if there is anything going on that's shady, but it sure looks like it. And especially when you consider that Audrey has her sister and her sister-in-law on some of these boards as well. Uh, I don't know. It seems like they're cer certainly setting up the executive of the M&A very, very well. Well, and it definitely is consolidation of power at the top, isn't it? Absolutely it is, yeah. And it's... Uh, I don't know if, if that's the way something should run. I think uh, you should, you know, I know for the company I work for, we have to have a segregation of duties. Um, I don't see why you shouldn't have this in place for all these corporations and stuff. Um, but, well, and the thing is, I think that's troublesome is uh, the M&A might be required to disclose their financials, but we have no idea um, what other sub-companies are doing. Yes. And so what are the paychecks? What do their financials look like? Exactly. Um, I think there was only one. Uh, I think. Well, I think they reported what they what the M and A sent or was 
invested into one of them, but it it doesn't it doesn't tell you what that money was spent on. So, you know, for they might have sent a million dollars to Métis Nation Holdings, but again, that's where it ends because there's no way to tell. Well, what was that for? Was that for wages? Was that for? I I, I have no idea. Um, and so yeah, it's it's kind of to me it's almost a little scary when you see these names like. Uh, Métis Nation Holdings has three people on it. Cree Productions has the same three. Métis Crossing has the two of those three. Um, like it, it just, and then you start seeing sisters and sisters-in-laws, and uh, it starts to look pretty shady. Yeah, I don't really have a problem employing family, and I don't have a problem with family working together. But on how many boards do you have to have the same three people? Exactly. Exactly, and. Uh, if there was oversight on any of this stuff, then that's fine. But I, I mean, I don't see it. They're the directors of the corporation. They are the yeah. oversight. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't make me feel really all that great about uh, their thing. But um, Well, it definitely doesn't look like transparency. It doesn't look like accountability. And it definitely doesn't look like, you know, inclusion of lots of people to the decision-making process. Well, that's just it. Like when they do their AGM and they're talking about budgets and financials, they're only talking about the Métis Nation of Alberta Association, the nonprofit stuff. So, where are these financials? Who's receiving these? Are they? They're not ruled by any bylaws to show members the information or or share any of that. They're not ruled by those nonprofit bylaws. These yeah. are these are for-profit corporations, and they're they're private, so they can do whatever they want essentially. As long as they meet yes. the government's requirements, so exactly, and and so that's the real challenge is we see this consolidation to the top, and these you know we don't know if these sub companies are paying out salaries, and if they're paying out salaries to their directors, what is that salary? Exactly, you know, and and it really goes to show that if you can become the president of the MNA and then become the the chair again of these sub corporations, you could be receiving a very healthy paycheck. Yeah. Because I, I just can't see them doing all of the, those other corporations for free. Um, so, I mean, even if you said, okay, well, it's another $20,000 a corporation, well, that means then that that's uh, another $80,000 that Audrey makes per year. I mean, mm-hmm. now you're over $200,000 a year. That's pretty yeah. hefty. Um, well, that's a significant income when you're talking that we have Métis in the province who live in shacks on the side of the road still yeah exactly and and on top of that you have all these problems going on you have uh you know people mad because regions aren't being open with their financials you have human rights violations being uh, filed you have all these things going on and um but you're you're kicking back with uh, eighty thousand dollar a year pension and a couple hundred grand in salary man i mean that's a pretty sweet gig to be honest with you well, yeah, and I'm surprised there's not a whole lot of more people trying to run for the top office. Oh, absolutely. I, I can see why she wants to hold on to it for 25 years. No kidding. Got to get know, that pension and, and, maxed out. <laughs> well, and now that they only said in term limits, now that she's going to retire, you know, you think there'd be a lot more people clamoring to get a six-figure income. Yeah. And uh, a kind of a pretty much a gold-plated uh, pension. Absolutely. And the other thing is, is so she does, uh, let's say she either retires or doesn't win her seat as the president of the MNA. 
does that mean she resigns for, automatically from all the being the director on all these corporations? I don't think so. Doesn't that's not a rule? So yeah, and, and well, and the thing is, I guess the bigger problem is, and maybe someone of our uh, listeners can uh, clue us in, is is it only the president of the MA that can sit on these uh, sub boards or these other corporations, or are they independent so that even if she stepped down? You know, then there's no guarantee that uh, a new M and A president would have any say in these other corporations. Well, that's right. So she steps down from one position, but she's still got four going. I mean, it's. I think on Métis Urban Housing, she might be out on that one, but that's the only one that I know of that she probably would be out of. And uh, even there, I'm, I'm going with a hunch, really more than anything. Mm. So, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I don't know either. I mean, uh, these other ones seem like they're pretty isolated away from the M&A. So maybe, maybe she stays and collects a night even better, collects her pension and a wage, pretty hefty wage. That'd be nice. Yeah, not a big geek. I think that's the real biggest challenge I have is it's, you know, on a comparative scale to a lot of AT people out in the province. You know, we're talking some pretty significant numbers and salaries and, and income. And again, it really not a lot of transparency, not a lot of openness and accountability to the people. And, and it really smacks of this colonialism of consolidation of absolute authority to the top. Oh, for sure. Well, and you know, and it really bothers me, not because I think that people shouldn't get paid to do this stuff. I mean, if they were getting, they could triple their spending on all this stuff. If you could go from community to community in Alberta and see thriving, strong Métis communities that have, you know, great access to great housing and great economic benefits from being part of the Métis Nation. Um, you know, if they were doing things like that, I could, t- I would be like, well, whatever. If they're obviously keeping their Métis, Métis happy. Um, so good on them. I would have nothing to say about the financials, but the truth is, is I do not come across a lot of happy people with the Métis Nation and how it's run. And like you said, the lack of transparency. So uh, if people aren't happy and you're only getting like, what did we say? But like a 1% turnout in votes and all this kind of stuff. This money is ridiculous then. <laughs> it's, it is ridiculous. Well, if you look at what was, at the end of the day, what was the total budget? I don't have it right in front of me. They had a total. Um, well, I out of the numbers I had, it was 5.1, but that was not the total um I can't remember what the total is. I'm going to say, I'm going to guess around $6 million. Yeah, so what we can say is an organization that is receiving north of the $5 million mark uh, for its operating budget, and you you ask yourself, how many people and how many communities in Alberta is that money benefiting? Yeah. And I think that's that's the real proof is in the pudding moment there yep. that it's, it's not. It doesn't matter whether it's culture or it's it's about the forwarding rights or any of these things. It, where is it making a difference in our communities? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was wrong. It's uh, eight point. It's almost eight point three million in revenue. Oh, eight point three. Yeah, that just makes it all better. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I feel way better now. But that that's just yeah. that, that's what I think. You know, I uh, we got a lot of we got a little bit of heat before because, uh, and we'll get into this in a bit. But somebody thought that we weren't being very friendly to the Manitoba Métis when we were talking about their salaries and budgets and stuff. And 
the bottom line is, is if you were taking care of the people within your organization, if you were taking care of Métis people, and you were transparent and open and honest and all of these things, I would have absolutely no problem with these cor- these corporations. Um, the way I, what I don't like is the way they run them. So it's not a matter of Métis people, or it's not even a matter of Audrey, Madam President. It's the structure which these things are run. That's what drives me crazy. This is all Absolutely. structure. Exactly. And look at the amount of money that happens internally in the structure. There's 30,000 plus members of the, the Métis Nation of Alberta. The organization receives you know, over $8 million. And what did the, those 33,000 members get as a benefit? Yeah, exactly. You know, most of them probably have seen nothing. Yeah. So, and as we've gone over a couple of the numbers, it's all getting chewed up in this colonial, you know, paper roll structure to to maintain the structure, $8 million to maintain the structure to no real benefit to the people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I I don't know. It's, it's troubling. That, that is absolutely for sure. Um. And I, I don't know. I don't know how to get my brain out of not being um, overly concerned about it. I don't know how people can just be like, well, whatever, you know, they're doing the best they can and move on with their day. Like to me, this stuff, this is the kind of stuff that just kind of gets under my skin because uh, I don't begrudge them their money. But like we, you know, like we said, it's it's just a matter of the services people get. And, and I just, I'm not seeing it. So it's kind of like how I feel about taxes right now. I'm paying a whole lot of taxes, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of services come back. I mean, the roads are shittier never, and there's potholes all over Calgary. So, you know, I, I bet you well, that it, stuff it the makes, same. It makes you wonder. You could probably do a lot for a lot of Métis people in the province if you just took 33,000 members and divided 8 million up. Yeah. Exactly. So... I don't know. Um, I mean, if people think we're off our nut and they, they want to comment or send us comments, I mean, metispodcast at gmail.com, and you can do that. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I These things concern me. So A lot of money that, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to go very far. No, and, you know, I, I want to make it very clear. I'm not even jealous that they get the money. I'm not even, I mean, I, I don't... I don't begrudge well, I, anybody. I'll, I'll go. I'll go one further. I think the Métis people of Alberta deserve more money. I Absolutely. think we're entitled. I think we're entitled to more. I think for all the resource and development that goes on in this province, we see far too little. But right, yeah. to turn turn around and say we need to give it to organizations like this. Oh my goodness! Look where the money's already going. We can't. They can't even properly handle eight million. What would it be if it was twenty, thirty, or forty million dollars? Well, exactly, exactly. And and you look at the last 20 years, I mean, they've had 20 years of, of funding and things like that, and they're still in the same position they're in. Um, you know, you can't tell me that you haven't been able to, in the last eight or nine years, send a little money to a place like Conklin for housing. You haven't even been able to send anybody there to see what's going on. Um, it... In, so that that's what bothers me, um, I and I agree with you. I wish they had more money. You could triple that, and it still probably wouldn't be enough in my mind. But it's got to be spent properly. It's got you got to be focused a hundred percent on your people and not building a corporate empire. In in my humble opinion, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think if the money isn't going to the Métis people themselves, and it's just going to be maintaining an organizational structure that you want to call government, I think that is the problem. And and people who support that, I think, have spent far too long in the colonial mindset and have lost the value of their own position in that conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing I didn't notice in here was like there's not a whole lot of economic development for the actual Métis Nation of Alberta. So they're not building corporations that go out and get contracts and actually bring in profit to stabilize their funding, to cover funding, to provide better services. I didn't see any of that in their budget. It was just simply, here's government funding to have meetings and lawyers and salaries and wages and and travel, and that's it. Like, there there was no, like, we, they didn't invest, uh, you know, $5 million into, uh, you know, some sort of investment fund that'll give them a return on their investment over the next 20 years so that, you know, two decades from now, they're not reliant on government funding. There, there was none of that that I could see. So, um, if there is, it was so infinitesimal that it didn't matter. It would, it really wouldn't make a big difference. That's right. And that's when we were talking about, uh, the financial situation in Manitoba, we see that exactly reflected here in Alberta. There's no long-term planning for, you know, seven generations when government funding dries up and gets cut, then where are the Métis people really going to be then? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, it it's, it's sad because you know, the government is eventually going to cut all these agreement budgets, the tripartite agreement where they get 600 grand, well, that's going to be cut eventually one day. Um, and all of those little things are going to be just shaved right off. And then you're going to be left with what? Again, layoffs and people still living in, in shacks and everybody's not going to be happy. So it, That's right. So when, when the blue guys get back in instead of the red guys and the budget goes from 8 million and drops down to five or less, we're... Who's going to take the hit? Yeah. Well, I guess the Métis people really won't take a hit because they won't weren't getting anything in the first place. Absolutely, exactly. Um, so yeah, and and the worst part is like you know the that and again we go back to the the numbers here like cultural things like you spent fifty thousand dollars on cultural events. Um, that, that's an insanely low amount. So you you have a purely political corporation. That is what you have here. Um, I mean, fifty thousand dollars in in events for for cultural stuff does not actually go that far. So, well, through, roughly you're looking at just over a dollar per card carrying member into maintaining our language and our traditions and our you know way of life. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, like little over a dollar a day or a dollar per member. That's for that that isn't going to cut it. our budget we got to be able to do better than that yeah exactly i mean that's just that's crazy so so those are the numbers there and then uh you know harking back to the manitoba metis and uh you know we're going to beat up on them a little bit here but uh i have we have something positive to say about them uh you know even even, <laughs> that's right. We're going to end the show with a wonderfully happy and warm story from the Manitoba Métis Federation, uh, which I just want to put out there. There's, you know, there's a saying out there that uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So we'll start with that. 
because uh, that's kind of how I feel about this. Not, not that I'm too jaded. Um, so there's a there's a Manitoba lawsuit going on between the Manitoba government and six child and family services organizations in Manitoba. And two of those organizations are actually affiliated or run by, or I don't know how that connection happens, but they are basically governed by the Manitoba Métis Federation. So way to go, Manitoba Métis Federation. You have stepped up and are spending those professional fees on something good for a change. Well, and the nice thing I liked about that story is is they were part of a bigger uh, in, in that whole story. So, again, there was a little bit of unity there, a little bit of coming together for a common issue, and I think that's really good to see. It is. Uh, so you had the Pegui Child and Family Services, the Machif for Child and Family Services, Métis Child and Family, or Ch- Métis Child and Family Services, um, and then, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but the Animac, a- Animiki Child and Family Services, Sandy Bay Child and Family Services, Southeast Child and Family Services, those are the six agencies involved in this whole thing. And I, I'm happy about it. I think this is, you know, the start of really something. Because, you know, I thought, okay, well, this is great. I'm, I'm excited about that. But there's actually more to the story that the reason they're suing is because the Manitoba government has been keeping 20% of what they call, they, they, they nicknamed the baby bonus, which was money that was that Ottawa sends to them for children in care. And they were keeping 20% of that money just for general revenues, it seems. So, <laughs> so a little bit of skimming there, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's talking about professional fees, right? Hey, we gotta, we're going to handle your money. Typical government to Indigenous relations, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't write it down, but I think the amount, because it's been over a several-year period, and I think the amount was pretty close to $300 million or something. Like it was like $287 million or something. Yeah, I mean, just par for the course, right? Any money that's allocated to Indigenous people, you watch the uh, colonial settler bureaucracy just pick away at it until you know it doesn't go to our people to really help them out. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I mean, especially in Manitoba, there's, I was reading some stats, there's 11,000 children in care, and 90% of them are Indigenous. So, you're not only just holding out on Indigenous, you're holding out on the vast majority of your children in care. Because, hey, you know what, those children obviously don't need help, right? The The provincial government needs more help. That's That's who needs the money. Well, of course, because the better the provincial government is, the better everyone's looked after, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, it, obviously, it's working so well at the MMF and the MNA. That's how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, but you know, again, I just want to say that this is a good thing. I'm really happy to see something like this happen. Uh, anytime that somebody can take the government to court with uh, what seems like a pretty, pretty solid case, uh, I'm all for it because I think the government has screwed us enough. It's time to start getting some payback, and honestly, I would I would love nothing more for than the courts to award double what they clawed back from these guys over the last uh, whatever however many years. But uh, I know that won't well, happen. Yeah. But I would love to see that because they again they freaking deserve it, man. I agree, and I think it's been long overdue since these agencies got together and recognized the eleven thousand children in care. That is a staggering number. The 90% of that is Indigenous children. We talk about the 60 scoop. We're going to be soon talking about the millennial scoop. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's actually pretty disgusting. I've read some stories about some stuff that goes on in Manitoba. Um, like they have women that come down from Northern communities to give birth because they can't give birth where they're at. There's no hospitals or anything. And so I, for years, I think they were having them travel to a near, near the nearest hospital all alone by air. And then when they get there, they give birth and they take the baby like immediately. So the, the lady comes down pregnant, gives birth and heads home without a baby. You know, stories like that, and it, it's just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. It's heart-wrenching to, to hear these stories. So I'm I'm really happy these guys are suing. I hope they, they absolutely decimate the government, and um, I really hope it doesn't take another 20 years to litigate this, but who knows? Or, or worse, that, that they all gets eaten up in the lawyer's fees and doesn't go back to the families who need it most. But the reality is, at some point, we got to be able to take on the government as a unified front of Indigenous people versus the, the colonial settler government that continually is trying to give us the shaft and assimilate our children. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I, you know, so for everybody out there, that is our good news for the Manitoba Métis Federation for the week. Because um, we're that kind of warm and fuzzy. That's right. And I do believe in giving credit where credit is due. So when I do see things that I think these organizations do that is good, then I will mention it. And I'm, sh- and I'm sure Jason will too. But uh, it's so far and few between. It's, it doesn't happen very often. So... Yeah, well, one one flower growing on a manure pile doesn't make the stench go away. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's absolutely right. So again, good luck to these guys. I think that's all I had tonight, though, Jay. I think that's uh... yeah, pretty much. I think uh, you know it's the same old. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about, but as these financials come out, I know kind of is the the same go around that we had. You know, not that long ago, but we try to make people aware and bring people up to speed that that this isn't just a province, that this is a universal organizational problem. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to, uh, we, I did an interview a couple of days ago with a lady, and it's going to come out on uh, Sunday. And uh, we're, we're doing it as a patron episode, but uh, for all of our listeners, we're going to give this one, we uh, are going to do this one for free for everybody just to kind of get you to see what, what's happening on the Patreon page. Um, and I think it's an important message that she has to share, so I wanted to do that as well to make sure everybody gets to hear that. But the truth is um, this idea of having people on multiple boards, on multiple corporations, this is not something that's isolated to the Métis Nation head office. Uh, this happens, I believe this is happening in Region 1. Um, the guys in Conklin have talked about it. The lady I interviewed uh, a couple of days ago that's going to be out this Sunday, he's talked about it. And so this is the kind of stuff that needs to end, is this, this stuff that makes it look shady. I'm not saying it is guaranteed it's shady. I'm saying it looks really shady. And if and and that's all that it's the perception. Um so that's why it's important to me and, and that's why we bring these things to light. And cause it, and these aren't isolated stories. These are ongoing, constant issues. Well, and I think that's the, the proof of the pudding. We've been out to a lot of communities and how many times when you ask Metis people what do they want, some of the biggest priorities are they want the land back. They want the waters yeah. protected, they want they want the wildlife looked after. They want habitat restored. And then we start talking about programs and services, which are hugely needed. But the reality is we have a, kind of a provincial organization, about $8 million a year, and we don't have one extra acre. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So the one thing we don't we want bad we we don't have any of. Um, so it's it's a real shame, and I I wish that these corporations weren't like this. I wish the Métis Nation ran beautifully and everybody was happy, but that's just not the case. And it's you know everybody should keep in mind too that you know this money is taxpayer money. Ninety nine percent of the money coming into this organization is taxpayer money, and so I think they they should have a responsibility to be very open and very honest about where it's spent. Um, and, you know, this is, again, this is not isolated even to Alberta. We saw it in Saskatchewan in their meetings where police are called because women dared speak out. I mean, uh, you can give a woman a chair because she was trying to make a point about something. Like, just crazy things like that. It's, it's nuts. It's insane. Yeah. And I, I think that's the whole point is that whether you're a big supporter of these organizations or you're not, I think the reality is is things cannot continue this way and they've got to change. And I hope that's what we're trying to do is create a platform of conversation, whether you love us or you hate us, that uh, we can at least have a dialogue about it. Absolutely. And, and I mean, we try to get them in the facts. That's why we go through these numbers. I mean, these numbers are available to, to the public, to everybody. So go have a look at them. If you don't believe us that they spent this much, go add all up the numbers and you'll come up to the same thing. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I hope everybody out there is a little more aware of things uh, from tonight's episode. Uh, I, I sure hope so. And um, I don't really have anything else to cover. I know we're gonna we're getting close to an hour here, so we are going to cut it, shut her down for the evening. Um but I, I want to say, uh, last thing I want to say again is to remind everybody if they're in, in the Calgary area until Mother's Day, which is next weekend, hint, hint, it's Mother's Day next weekend, um, for all those guys listening, uh, you can go to Walking With Our Sisters here in Calgary, and it's absolutely amazing. It's very powerful. So please go to that if you can. Make it a priority when you're here. And other than that, um, any final thoughts, Jay? No. That's good for me. I am, and uh, definitely, if you can get down to that event, I can't imagine it'd be well worth your time. Absolutely. So for now, I, that's it. Uh, have a good week. We'll we'll see you next uh, on Sunday. I guess we'll have an episode out for everybody to listen to, and uh, go be a good ancestor. Until then, the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses, a fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. No more.